Ten Hag has liftoff as Manchester United win the Carabao Cup. What does it mean? Is it the start of something special? Is it just meaningless? Depends on if you win it, doesn't it, Newcastle fans? All of that and the Premier League reviews on today's episode of From the Backseat. So as usual, it's myself, Jack, and my co-host, Hugh. How are you, Hugh? I am all right, thank you. I'm all right. It's been a fun weekend. Lots to talk about. Mm-hmm. It feels like we haven't done this in a little while, so yeah, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. Some would say that we should have done a Champions League one, but we're just here for the Prem. We don't talk about the Champions League. It's the European competition. No. Not interesting. Nothing really happens in that competition. It was, it was quite a boring in. week. It was quite, yeah, it was quite a boring match day, wasn't it? Yeah, just very just flat. Not, not many talking points. So <laughs> no, thought, no. We'll just, we'll just sack that off. Yeah, no. No, it's fine. That's fine. I think that's a, a decision I can get behind, although part of me would love to be honest <laughs> I'll tell you what you can have one veto you can just veto a pod <laughs> oh, a veto are we? Yeah. you can just have one well, veto hopefully. a season I've used mine fair enough we'll have the one veto rule but we're back and it's Premier League and a little bit of Carabao and it's going to be fun it's been some it's been some zesty games isn't there mm-hmm. I've got quite a few favourite games this weekend and they don't include Arsenal no Arsenal Liverpool a bit boring this week but many other yeah. talking points I feel like we should switch it up. Start with the Carabao Cup. Sounds good. It's fresh on the mind. I like it. So, Manchester United 2, Newcastle United 0. Eric Ten Hag, mate, he's a miracle worker. He's a man of magic. And I feel like he set a precedent. The first trophy available to him, he's won it. And if you win trophies like Pep does, win the league cup it sets a precedent then you get used to winning then you get used to getting trophies you create a culture it's like he's playing football manager but he's like spamming it because everything he does is absolutely perfect and it's disturbing is he is he a miracle worker though or is he just a really good tactician slash manager do you know what I mean like I'm starting to feel like it's just been incompetent since Fergie left and this is the first real fucking manager that's got a vision <laughs> that United have actually hired I know that's that's probably not true but it just feels like that doesn't it it feels like this was always there it was a really low bar I mean yeah you had Oli and then you had mm. Ralph Randiak doing a job that he doesn't do which was no. just it was just so dumb it would be like if you got Edu it was like Edu right you're going to manage for the rest of the season like what's up with that yeah it seems even more bizarre now, obviously, seeing how good Man United are. I mean, fair play. He did have some good transfers. So, I yeah. mean, we'll talk about some of those transfers as well because there's one in particular that everyone's talking about at the moment and I understand why. In fact, let's go straight to him, shall we? Yeah, fuck it. He's the, he's the main man, isn't he? And Casemiro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Casemiro. 21. <laughs> uh, I mean, oh, I love watching Casemiro. He... There was this unfair kind of label that he came here for a payday and a vacation, you know, but he is up to the level of that Manchester United squad. He's elevated them. It's crazy. And he was just so good again yesterday. He's just so good at breaking the play up, starting the counter. Mm-hmm. He's a bit of a shit house, but I feel like he's toned it to the right level. Like, Man United won the the, the mental warfare yesterday against Newcastle. Yeah. They, 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 yeah, they absolutely obliterated that part. I think there's one point where Fernandez like, Gimmerish went in for a slide tackle on, on Fernandes and then it injured himself in the process and there's a slow-mo of Fernandes just laughing in his face as he's getting up and it's like they just won they just won that warfare yesterday and he never felt like Newcastle were going to get into the game I realise I've gone from a point about Casemiro straight to just some random <laughs> it's okay. some random waffle so we'll come back to Casemiro because that yeah. really wasn't very he'll come back it around really wasn't very he'll come back around <laughs> just 
just like Casemiro. <laughs> he'll come back. He'll come back around. Um, exactly. It's relentless. You are right, though. Like Newcastle, they just weren't that good. I think. I think they got stage fright. And as soon as Manchester so. United scored the first goal, you felt like that was the end of it. Like, I know, but this, it shouldn't feel like that. This needed this a Newcastle opening goal to make it an interesting game. And without it, mm-hmm. it was just... It was pretty chilled. Like, Manchester United was just chilled in the second half. They didn't really have to try that hard. They had enough threat. Just a just a looming threat of a counter-attack just put Newcastle off really going for it. They really didn't... I thought that Man United would have more possession and they would dominate and Newcastle would be kind of a low block and mm-hmm. you know try and counter. But it was actually the opposite. Yeah. And I feel like United they do that in certain games really clever game management they they almost were passive in the first 15 and that was Newcastle's strongest sequence of the game but they were just really kind of solid it never looked like Newcastle really had a chance and I can't, I'm struggling to think of really many the only clear chance, cut chances for Newcastle the only chance I could think of was when St Maximan gets the ball and he does like a flick flack uh, oh, yeah. around Dallow yeah, yeah. I think it was around Dallow and gets a shot off yeah. and that was a really good chance and there's maybe a couple of other moments but yeah there's a couple of half chances but for all their endeavour they just couldn't really break not through not much cutting edge no exactly no. and I even like the Ten Hag took off Dallow at half time brought on Wambasaka. what did Wambasaka do? he shut it down mate he shut down, shut down. that right hand side so Maximan did nothing after that because that's what Wambasaka does mate he tackles he tackles and he makes you sad and that's all he does so like, we got that, a true you know, a true Sam Maximan performance yesterday where yeah. 80% was great and then that final 20% was just missing time and time again yeah. like the final pass was just really off for him yesterday and I don't watch him enough for the full 90 minutes to to know if that's always kind of in his game you feel he's, like he is quite patchy he's definitely very very patchy he's, good, he's just a good vibes player isn't he his stats aren't that good his end product's not that good but he's just good vibes and I think like Newcastle will outgrow him in like a season or two but if you're at the lower end of the table where they were previously he must be so fun you know like it's just you've got all these fucking like dour average players who just run around a lot and mm. you've got one guy who's just like fun that's, that's it yeah he's just like he's just a breath of fresh air he's not he's not gonna join like a massive team and win a lot of trophies but he's 10 out of 10 on vibes I feel ya I like him. I miss his dreads, though. I miss his dreads for sure. Shouldn't Bring them have back cut them off, mate. It's not been the same since he cut off the, the magic was in the dreads, man. It was in yeah. the dreads. Um, um, but let's go back to Casemiro, because yes. I do want to tick this box. He was phenomenal, wasn't he? And it was a great header for the goal. He's just, he, he it just one of them guys, isn't he? He's that guy this season. He is that guy. Where would you rank him now of all the summer signings? Because he's actually probably top three now, maybe? after Haaland and I'm just leaving space for me forgetting other signings I think he's got to be up there isn't he yeah In terms of impact, I think Haaland and him yeah he's, he's been phenomenal he's transformed Man United they're, they're, they're very very serious now and you know what you know what they always used to say like you're, Man United they're like oh Roy Keane is like Alex Ferguson on the pitch like they embody each other you feel like Casemiro is embodying Ten Hag Ten Hag's quite a disciplinarian mm. he's quite like a stern angry man and He's got like a general now on the field who'll just lead by example and do exactly what he wants. And I feel like those yeah. two have got something good going on between them. Yeah, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because 60 mil for a 30 year old on a four year contract, there's so many risks attached to it. But yeah. he's just, he's blown out the water. And there was one bit, which I think everyone's seen it on Twitter, but we'll talk about it, where you know where Bruno didn't pass it at the end on that one on one. 
<laughs> yeah. And then Casemiro, <laughs> after the final whistle was gone, had a little word with him. It was like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, it's just, so it's, yeah, it's just kind of, it's a perfect example of what he is and his mentality. And that's probably why they're reaching levels this season. But it's massive for United. I'm saying it through gritted teeth, but it's proper massive for United and for Ten Hag. And it's a justification of all of it. So... On. It's scary. Last 14 games this season, Man United are the form team of the of the league. I don't think anyone in world football would want to play Man United right now. It's just not no. a nice team to play. No, no. They're solid and they're lethal. Like, mm. yeah. Like Napoli. Oh, no. They're just scary right now. You don't want it. Yeah. They've got that kind of aura about them which they, has been missing since Fergie left. There's kind of inevitability that they're going to grind out a result and the inevitability... As soon as they scored, like you said, it just felt like there was no way Newcastle were going to find their way back. Yeah. And of course, as is as is standard at this point, Rashford scored the second goal. Rashford scores every game. I think he has actually scored every single game bar one since the World Cup. So, I just I just can't get my head around it anymore. I just don't understand it anymore. He, he, he's that guy. I he's didn't the, even put like it in I my said, notes. I keep saying it. There's but... nothing else to say. He's just, he's, no. he's that guy. He's that guy. He's that guy. He's he's the Rashford. I keep saying it. The Rashford that we were promised. His goal Rashford was lucky. That. But his goal was lucky. But you know, it's 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 Rashford, isn't it? You know, it's it. all going in for him in the moment. Yeah, he made it. He made the chance. He took he took the chance, and he got lucky. But yeah, you know, I mean, it was originally down as an own goal, wasn't it? But they've given it to him. So that's his first ever goal in a major final for United. Is it? So that's a good kind of camel to get off your back. I suppose I haven't been in many major finals over the last few years, though. No, that's probably no, like one out of like three. Yeah, that sounds yeah. worse than it is. I know. You know what the you know what the tabloids are like. They love it. They love it. <laughs> Any anything to give him like another another medal in it. Yeah, you know what I mean? literally. First major goal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking of the second goal, though, yeah. obviously Larice Carius has returned for Newcastle. His first competitive game since I think twenty twenty one, which is mental. I thought he was all right. I'm going to go out there and say some good saves in the second half once he was into the game. I thought he was unlucky with the. F- there's nothing he could have done with Casemiro's header. No. Nothing he could have done. And then the second one, I'd argue there's not a lot he could have done either. You know? Nah, it would have been a really world class save to save that. But I can see, like, maybe mm. David De Gea saving it because he is exceptional at those, like, reflex shots. The thing is, Karius was already going down on his back, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. He was anticipating the low. I almost fell off my chair. <laughs> You were doing live action replay. <laughs> I literally, I was doing live action. I was more chair. Um, but yeah, it just it just kind of leaped over him. It's unfortunate, but in a way, I was I was happy for him. Although he conceded too, because it he wasn't about any, him. Yeah, he didn't have any clangers. He, he didn't notice his performances like really bad. Yeah, low key. So just got on with it. Maybe he can have a future as a number one somewhere again. He could be a number one somewhere. He's just, it's a mental thing for him and I hope it goes some way in restoring his faith in his own talent and I really liked his brown gloves. I don't yeah, know if you spotted those. I, I did and I was fan. like, bro, like, why would you, why would you be so controversial when you know everyone's looking at you? What's controversial about it? I, I think it they look like gardening gloves. They look cool, man. They were like 1960s. I, I, I personally think he was like, last time Newcastle won a final, they were wearing his gloves so I'm going to, I don't know he's a weird dude like that I, I've overthought about it but I like those gloves basically yeah. I like that you've overthought it and he's definitely overthought it and between you that's yeah. probably exactly what's happened yeah everyone he's else is just like the fuck's up with this guy wearing gardening gloves <laughs> he's a hipster and I'm here for it and then before we move on I do want to mention the amazing 
to be honest, amazing set of fans on both sides. I thought the atmosphere was really, really, really good. And you don't often get that at Wembley. And I'm sure the Geordies made up most of it because all the uh, United fans come from Surrey. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, long, long 30 miles back home for them, not from Wembley. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought the atmosphere was amazing and the, and the Newcastle fans really did themselves proud. So I agree. It's a, a really, long old journey for a lot of them as well. It's one of the longest journeys in the country, realistically. And you know what? This is what happens when you have two teams that actually want to be in the final instead of just City plus someone else. One mm. team that knows they're going to get... It felt like a proper final. Like, yeah, League Cup is a bit of a... Yeah, yeah. Newcastle really wanted to win it, but so did Man United. Like, you can see it actually meant something. And that's the difference. It was actually yeah. like a trophy that both teams wanted instead of just like just a tick in the campaign, you know? Yeah, exactly. It really felt like it was going to be... Well, it was. It was pivotal for either team that was going to win it. But I think one last word, Newcastle, they'll be back. I felt like this. even the fans felt it. It's like, this isn't the end of their... This is yeah. just the start of what they're building. Do you think Do you think this is going to be a setback for this season or just, just a stepping stone? You, the goals have dried up and that's been apparent way before this game anyway. Mm-hmm. That's what they've got to address because Miggy Armoron's finally decided to become Miggy Armoron again. It was inevitable. He's it was inevitable, but they they'll probably get top seven if they carry on patchy form to the end of the season. If they maintain, you know, pick up form and start scoring again, they're still in the in the hunt for top four. So, no, I think it'll hurt, but they didn't expect to be in this place anyway, so they can only take it as a plus. Hundred percent, and you know, use that experience to go forwards. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's a good experience for them overall. First final in a long time. You know, they were in, they were in for a chance. They didn't play as well as they could, but yeah, it's very much it's gonna be a big summer for both of these teams and that that does not bode well for everyone else. Could be a very big summer for Man United if they get the Qatari ownership deal. Ooh. Which they should be. Mate, how are we gonna have like three clubs owned by Gulf States? It's crazy. But there you go. Anyway, it's not the time for that. We need to move on because the schedule's tight. Tottenham two, Chelsea nil. I watched this and I really enjoyed this game this game is brilliant Tottenham and Chelsea fucking hate each other and I'm not even that sure why I think it's that famous result at Stamford Bridge where Hazard scored that blinder the battle of the bridge do you remember that Tottenham needed to beat Chelsea to maybe overtake Leicester for the the title in 2016 Ah. and then Hazard and Diego Costa it was like a brutal game where they were just like kicking lumps out of each other and ever, ever since then there's been bad blood and it just continued today love it mate really love it it's just a really zesty game and you know Chelsea are really bad so it's really fun to watch to be honest I don't even think Tottenham were that good this game but really? Chelsea are just that bad they're that bad yeah I think it might be might be game over now for, for Potter it's not though is it we know it's not it's not like I'm it's sorry but I f- that, look I I I don't hang out with many Chelsea fans so I can't say for certain but my general feeling based on like social media is that he's probably like one or two more losses away now from the from the brink it feels like know. the tide is turning they won't do it, it. I feel it shifting they can't this is their man I like, reckon, they can't do it if he loses the next two games I reckon he's gone but what's the alternative you know what you get someone in until the rest of the season and you're probably just going to because it's going to take them to the rest of the season to get used to the new manager you, they have to see it through at least until the end of the season I reckon, uh, I reckon they're going to panic soon I reckon Tom Boney did many forecasts when he bought Chelsea and this wasn't one of those scenarios <laughs> no I mean they probably thought it was going to be a transitional period they just didn't think it would take the whole season to be yeah. honest yeah 
and he already shat himself and went big in January again so I think he's panicking now if I was him I'd problem, be panicking he was at the game as well so yeah the problem is is that they can't maintain that level of spending if they don't get Champions League but that is nigh on impossible for them this season so what's the point of getting rid of Potter at this point they've come this far True. this is the new Chelsea if they fire two managers in less than a year it's bad optics considering they said they want to change how Chelsea run and the problem is and I've, I think I've spoken about this before but it's becoming more of a problem is that Chelsea fans don't have patience and fair enough because ever since 2004 they didn't need to have patience because the ownership would just ching you know as soon as you're doing badly that's it it gets someone in and more often than not it worked you think of like Gus Hiddink who replaced who did he replace was it Ancelotti maybe don't know. Uh, Gus Hiddink came in, his interim, banged it. Like, yeah, who knows anymore? Do you remember Di Matteo? Come in, he Champions League. And guess Tommy what? Tommy too, cool. He came in halfway through the season to rescue it. I'm just saying, they could get Same as Tommy too, cool. No, they, it's, they it's a tried and tested. In, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm not, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's tried and tested. It does work. But they're saying they want, they don't want to do it. And I just don't think... I don't think they can. They can. I literally don't think they can because I don't see the benefits right now. I don't think anyone can change their thought. I don't think anyone can make a tangible difference to their to well, their no. season. We'll agree to disagree, but I reckon he's going to be gone before the end of the season. Nah. I, I... Put, let's put a little wager on. All right, put a little wager let's on. Let's do it. One okay. million pounds. <laughs> let's say if he's gone before the last game of the season, we're going to go to the Angel Oak, and you're going to buy me a roast and all the beers. But if he's there on the last game of the season when Arsenal win the league, I'll pay for all the food and drinks. How about that? No, that's bullshit. Let's do it better. So <laughs> if 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 I'm if I'm right, you have to come to the pub wearing Real Madrid cap the whole time. Ooh. Yeah, I feel like it's worse than Everton at this point. And if I if you if you're right, I'll wear a Tottenham cap. Alright, done. Yeah, that's fine. Done. done. Virtual shake. Shake, yeah. shake, shake. Right, sounds good. Um, right. Anyway, where yeah. were we? <laughs> Chelsea. Chelsea have invested so much money in this whole project, and like, do you think Todd Bowley has regrets at this point? I feel like he must feel a little bit of regret that he's about six hundred mil deep. Well, not just him, but the whole group. They're, well, he's that's, the front that's about investors, five billion. So Four point. It's not just his deep. cash. No, I know, but just yeah. the, the whole group. They must have some regrets. From a short-term view... For, like, nothing, and then just... Yeah, but... No, I still think Chelsea is an asset. You say Bournemouth, but Chelsea, West London. Like, there's no... There's Fulham. But, no, it's, like, the opportunity of a lifetime. Like, it will pay off for them. They're not going to lose money on their investment, even with the money they've put in. But from a sporting perspective, can't help but feel they must be disappointed. Sure. From a business point of view, it's it's it's, it's no brain. There's no losing to owning Chelsea Football Club. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, it's not yeah, I see what you mean. If you're, in it, if you're in it long long enough, then it's irrelevant. Mm. But how much money are they going to have to spend just to maintain the value of the asset? Like, well, I get surely the spending is going to slow down. Like they can't just keep adding players to this. How are they going to shift all these players? Well, this is exactly what we're all wondering, and the answer is they're probably going to struggle. They're going to really struggle to shift. Well, them. they're definitely going to struggle. Let's say Ruben Loftus Cheek. He might have two. I think he's till twenty twenty six. Could be wrong. Oh, like twenty five. He's he he's on like one hundred and twenty k. 
Who the fuck is going to pay 120k for Ruben Loftus Cheek in this market? Yeah. No one in Serie A is going to afford that. Spain, you can forget it. Like they're they're broke. Fact. Bundesliga can't do it. But he's not good enough to go to PSG. He's not good enough to go to Bayern. And do you think he's going to take a pay cut just to play elsewhere? Fuck no, he's going to sit on the bench. He's going to sit on the bench. Mm. And how def- many of those have they got? Well, the whole squad. The whole squad. Is the whole squad. On over 100k. I mean, they've still got, they've still got Hudson-Odoi. Hudson-Odoi's coming back. What are you going to do with Hudson-Odoi? Lukaku. They'd love to move him on this summer. Who the hell is going to be in the market for 300k a week, Lukaku? They're going to have <laughs> to cut a lot of contracts in the way that Aubameyang's contract got cut. They bought Aubameyang. Now they have to cut his contract and get rid of him. Well, this is what I mean. But, you know, even Potter, you get rid of Potter, we've spoken about it, it's 60 mil compensation. You can't... They're just in too deep with what they've done and what they may they are, realise. They are in a horrible position, I have to say. Like, it's that not would keep horrible, though, is it? No, it is be, now, to be tied into so many of these things, though, and see it go so wrong. When you when you go all in and it's gone against you, like, fuck me, what a horrible feeling. It's too soon. It's too soon, isn't it? It depends how... This season's a write-off, and I think every Chelsea fan listening would agree with that. Mm-hmm. So now it's just making the most of these games less in the hope that next season you can be the squad that you want to be yeah I don't know man uh, it's just not looking very good I mean if you, if you could, can compare what Ten Hag's done you can see momentum you can see like direction there's results you know you feel like he's he's going in a direction of course yeah, and then no, you see Potter and you see absolutely no signs that this is going anywhere oh know? I think Potter's in over his head but I think from if you're talking about you've just is. got a stick you've but just then got I think like what's the point of sticking if you know he's in over his head you know you're just delaying they, the inevitable. I know, I know. Does it... If he wasn't so questions? expensive, he'd be gone, basically. I don't know, because I just think they they wanted to move away from that precedent that Chelsea had set of the kind of fire and higher culture. And, you know, part of it is they have to go through the pain. You know, our first season under Arteta was pretty gash. We had a pretty awful streak, quite similar to this. I'm not saying that Potter's got the minerals that Arteta had and I think it's unfair to even compare him because Arteta actually won the FA Cup at the end of his six months mm-hmm. first season exactly. he joined midway too during a pandemic That's what so I'm I know I agree but I think you, you, you just, you've just got to stick you... Graham Potter has the worst win percentage of any Chelsea manager wow or ever I think so or at least since wow. records began it's, it was on a list of like or maybe it's in the Premier League maybe it's in the Premier League to be fair I've got a nice one for you so since November they have scored the least of, joint least amount of goals in the Premier League with six <laughs> That's... on par with Everton and oh, Crystal Palace that is bad that is really bad and that was the problem against Tottenham you know again it's just a clear lack of goal scoring threat Havertz is not that guy they don't they just don't look they just don't look threatening they just don't look like they're going to score no they just don't all of the play is the same it's just tiptoeing around the box they're oh just... god this is actually stressing me out I think we should move on because of time but this is stressing me out well there's one more point I want to bring also can we just say Tottenham great goal for Oliver Skip sorry guys yeah, sorry, yeah. About first ever goal by the way for Oliver Skip what a goal absolute belter should Kepper have saved Phil it Kepper. yes yes yeah he should have but that's and Harry Kane again just nicking a goal at the back post from a corner that's what he does I, oh, I really hate seeing Harry Kane but I actually do want him to break that Premier League record and he's a good player he's a top player Harry Kane so 
Well done, Tottenham. Stellini with a 100% win record in right. Conte's absence. Maybe he is the the actual brains behind behind Conte. Yeah. When you when you brought up that he'd won all six games and now it's seven games and it's three games in uh, sorry at Tottenham are. A, a win against City a win against Chelsea and a win against West Ham without conceding a goal give him the job when Conte give goes the in the job. summer give him the job I know it's Stellini's tired like, like, Tottenham fans let not? us know how you feel because he's doing a phenomenal job and the optics look good he's got a point oh, to God. prove you know give it to him he does he's motivated he does Conte, Conte just doesn't want to be here cannot be asked of it Nah, Conte is definitely donezo for the Premier League. I think he just wants to go back to Italy. Juve's calling, let's be fair. Yeah. There is one thing I wanted to talk about, was the obviously controversial red card. This was an absolute comical affair, wasn't it? Is it Let me hear your thoughts. Let me hear your thoughts. I think it was a red card, and I thought it was super weird that he gave a red card and then went to VAR his own decision and then rescinded his own red card. It was just like... What? Obviously, he's panicked and he's realised he might have made a mistake and he wants to check it. Surely you go check it and then you make a decision, you know? Like, you go to the monitor, you have a look, and then you make a decision if you're not sure. As opposed to, like, wander around for a bit, give give Emerson Royale a, red, a yellow card, then give Ziyech a red card, then go look mm, at it. So then it was just a joke. Here's my count of you. I've given you know the PGMOL so the referee association here a bit of stick on this pod in recent weeks Lee Mason looking at you <laughs> but I actually think the referee handled it really well like it was a bit embarrassing for him I'm sure he wasn't happy but I actually think he he come out with the right decision and I think he I think he I think it's really good that he even went and checked his own decision otherwise it would have been wrong in my opinion I think it, I think it takes balls as a referee to go over and be like you know what Especially because it was against Chelsea who were the wayside, so the whole the whole crowd could go mad. It takes a lot of balls to go over and overturn your own decision and admit that you were actually wrong. Because if you watch it back, he's his back's to it, but three separate Spurs players antagonise ZX with various kind of barges and shoves before he reacts and hits Emerson in the face. I don't think that's relevant, personally. That's what players do all the time; they wind each other up. It's, yeah, but no, but react to it. I think if you, when you yeah, put but, your hands on someone's face, you get sent off. That's the rules. Like, so what? You can go behind them and like shoulder them, and that's not a red card. Yeah, that happens all the time. That's stupid rules, then. No, I think the referee's absolutely right. There was no need to use a red card at that point in the game. I think Put you've seen way, the context ZX on the VR monitor. He was undoing the tape on his fingers. He was going. He was like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, well, I mean, he got his marching orders, but I just think he had it was no a big moments, which means he thought it was a red too. No, nah, he was obviously. He's just not the kind of guy to dissent. But I mean, I don't know. I really liked his decision. Maybe I'm biased against Spurs because I do hate I Spurs. Think, but I, think I actually think it was a smart decision. Is you regret how hard you went in on Lee Mason and you're now? I don't. No, I don't. And don't with guilt no, that he's gone. No. I just think you know, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. As a referee, it's just you know, people are going to slate your decision, whatever you do. And I just, I want to give him props because I think he handled it really well. Well, I thought he did really badly, so, you know, I guess we'll agree to disagree in this why refereeing is a horrible job. One thing I did mm-hmm. find annoying was that a lot of Chelsea players were shouting at the referee and asking for yellow cards a lot. And if I remember correctly... That should be a yellow card. That should be a well. yellow card, because I'm pretty it sure should. we are now, now we know the rules, that if, if there's an aggression, you know what? And there's a third player, they get it straight away. <sighs> and I don't agree yeah. with that rule, but it's, it's just hard, inconsistencies. Isn't it? It's hard... 
I by the laws of the book but in the context of like a derby like Tottenham Chelsea I think if you give too many yellow cards for that kind of thing yeah you either you go almost all take out of the game too yeah. early like oh, it's so hard because the English game you want it to flow you want it to be kind of you want niggly challenges you don't want everyone tiptoeing around do you it's just it is damned if you do damned if you don't I've got newfound respect for for referees after that because how they manage a game is very important to the game itself isn't it how they you, you might like Liverpool Real Madrid sorry to talk about it on a pod I know you're still a bit sore referee was shite you know just calling it every stoppages and it just plays into Real Madrid's favour you know I don't know I don't know I've gone too deep into it but anyway Stuart Atwell you've done a great job don't listen to Jack back you bro you should you should take over Lee Mason because <laughs> you know you know how to correct a bad decision. Yeah, I don't agree, but we'll move on because otherwise we'll just be here all day. Uh, West Ham. Oh, you know what? Bro, no, <laughs> <laughs> don't I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Oh, I was so triggered there. Uh, got him. Got him. You've come back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For it? No, fuck. You scrambled me. West Ham four, Nottingham Forest nil. Um, God, all I've got is Chelsea and Real Madrid on my mind now. Those two, <laughs> two different games, hard to think. Um, okay, this was a boring, boring game for 70 minutes and then West Ham just absolutely battered Forest to get their biggest win of the season. Don't you think anyone saw that coming? You would have made so much money if you'd bet on it. Um, here's a good so stat for you. West Ham, before this game, has scored 19 goals. So they managed to score an extra 20% of all the goals they've scored this wow. season in 15 minutes. That's how ridiculous it was. Yeah, I, I literally cannot think of the last time I've seen West Ham score four. Because Massive. David Moyes is a pessimistic old man. That's why. And you know what? They said, whatever, we're going for it. What do you think happened on the 70th minute? You're just like, you know what, boys, just just go for it. Right, just well, go what for happened, it. Forget mate, everything I've ever said. What happened was... Danny Ings was playing and he hasn't really had a start yet and I think he might have listened to the podcast last week where you were saying some pretty rude things about Danny Ings saying he was just an average Shane Long and put some respect on his name please because he scored two goals Fair. and they're both two goals in two very minutes. good poachers goals those goals would be invaluable in teams like Everton or even Chelsea right now you know just someone who can just score goals mm. it's underrated mm. it's an underrated Goal scorers are a bit of a premium these days. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking, just someone who can just score, be on the end of stuff, just be there. Yeah, at the right time. like a true goal scorer. Under you know who you know who he reminds me of. Don't say it. Shane Long. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you meant was Pippo Inzaghi, a poacher, a fox in the box. <laughs> no, I definitely didn't. <laughs> I think I think I'm pretty sure that's what you meant. Maybe he's a poor man, Davavia. That's what I think. Mm, he'd take that. He'd take that. He'd take that. But yeah, I mean, two goals on his kind of full debut for West Ham. Loves playing in the claret and blue and... Loves it. Yeah, I mean, it's a big goal, isn't it? To break the deadlock in the 70th minute. Mm-hmm. Big goal for West Ham. And then, yeah, the floodgates opened. You almost feel like Nottingham Forest just broke them, that first goal. I guess the second goal from Danny Ings, heads will drop two goals in two minutes after keeping them at bay for, for yeah. 70 minutes, right? a bit right? of a worrying collapse, though. Like, Forest have been on it such was. a good run generate so much mm. good momentum this was pretty I mean if they win the next one they can just write it off but in well, fairness it wasn't really a collapse because West Ham had hit the post about two or three times prior to that right so true yeah West Ham were thinking it's going to be another one of those days and just a horrible season of just not 
not getting the results. So, well, it's big look, for them, mate. Maybe David Moyes was listening to the pod too and heard you slandering him, calling yes. him a pessimist. Handbrake yeah. off, David. Just handbrake off, my man. <laughs> You've got so many good players. What the fuck are you doing? Oh, oh so good. Oh, good. Look, we should do motivational chats, you know. We because should. every time we, we talk we talk down on a club, they seem to just win 4 0 or do really right. well. Let's so. go in on Liverpool at the end of this pause. Let's just go in. Oh, Let's we will. Spark something. We will. We will. All in good um, time. One, one last talking point. So, actually, before I get onto that, West Ham are only three points behind Forest now, which I think surprised me. Shows how tight it is because I thought West Ham was like so tight, man. Before the weekend. No, th- th- this is why. It's very confusing. This is why I will no longer speak on who I think will get relegated. It's just no point. No. It's just no point. It's too tight down there. Anyone anyone from, from Palace down could potentially be dragged into it. And I wouldn't want to call it. I wouldn't want to call it. They're all on par of each other, in my it's opinion. It's unbelievably close. And you think like Leicester it are is. three points above the drop still. And Bournemouth. Yeah. Bournemouth are three points away from... Oh, my God. No, no, no. It's, 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 all, it's still 14 guess, games left, mate. There's a lot of games left still. You know, for all those teams. So, yeah, so it, for, me, for me, it's just we just need to enjoy the ride. And actually, you know, usually we just focus on the top four, top five, top seven, whatever. But it's nice to like, there's everywhere you look. It's thrilling. It's just so tight. Every, yeah. Everywhere. It's so thrilling. I mean, it must be horrible if you're in the mix, but from a neutral, it's so enjoyable. It's changing so much. And all the teams are good. I stand by it. Apart from maybe Southampton, but, you know, there's a lot to like about Southampton. We'll get on to them. Anyway, mm. lovely, lovely goal from Declan Rice. What a goal. He's developing so nicely. Such a such an all-round box-to-box midfielder these days. It feels like I he's going to move this summer. Where do you think yeah, he's going to go? I can't wait till he signs for Arsenal, mate. He's going to look so good in the red and white, I tell you. you Apparently, he's Arsenal's top target this really? summer. And there's positive noises from West uh, from, so he from Rice's s- side as well. slowly phase out Granit Xhaka, I guess, for thinking yeah, of oh, squad placement. Yeah, oh, you know what you know, he that, plays that, on the left hand side of the midfield exactly where it makes a lot of sense and I feel like Declan's probably looking at that thinking yeah that I can see my spot in midfield there yeah. whereas he's been so long rumoured at Chelsea but now you're looking at Chelsea's midfield and you're like shit you know like what where do I fit it? in there yeah. it's so stacked you know like Arsenal I don't want to give him that box to box like option I feel like Chelsea would want him to just sit the whole time I, th- I think Rice would suit. Uh, I think he would suit us into the ground. Imagine him, Partey, and Odegaard. Like phew, that is the midfield. That is actually naughty. That is naughty. So, mate, I'm. I'd, I'd have to take him. I'd have to take Liverpool, but I feel you're like getting Mason Mount. I'm down for Mason Mount. I like Mason Mount. Mm. You know what? I wanted to say this earlier. You know, Mason Chelsea. Sorry, I'm going back. Chelsea fans absolutely despise Mason Mount. I didn't know this. So. Chelsea fans, if any of you are listening, please let us know why you hate Mason Mount so much. I'm confused. Join Liverpool, Mason. We'll love you. He will. The word is is that he will leave in the summer if he doesn't sign a new contract, which isn't looking good because they put that on the back burner. So nice. Put that first meal on the table and just wait. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Do do your bits, Julian Ward, while you're still there. Now, yeah. AFC Bournemouth one, Manchester City four. Now, me and Jack spoke before the pod. And we realise that we haven't given a fair shake to Man City so far. So we're going to try and be really up for this. Let's go for a break. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, I'm only half joking. We're at break time. But okay. We are, but we're going in. Okay. Well, this will be a quick one. 
as usual. <laughs> okay. It's a shame, though, isn't it? It's it's an expected result. I think straight off the bat, yeah. Bournemouth. There's no shame in getting thumped for four one by by Man City. There's just not. This was a very vintage Man City performance in the way mm. that they scored very early and they scored every fifty minutes after that and just slowly drained you of all hope, you know. And by the time by the time it got to half time, the game was over. Three 0 down. Yeah, like it's just it's just classic Man City. It's just like they slowly bleed you out, and then they just coast the second half. And if you get a goal, so be it. They don't. They really don't care. They no, are just they cons- are they are conserving their energy. They're just toying with these teams, and that should be a slight concern if you're of an Arsenal persuasion that they are trying to play as little football as possible and then just coast as much as they can and just build up momentum for the big push at the end. Because Arsenal have to work, man. Arsenal are working hard for all their wins. And this, after like Champions League, was it midweek? It was midweek, wasn't it? You had Leipzig in the midweek, yeah, yeah. Like this is exactly what they wanted. Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is a classic. You know, going into March, Man City, mm-hmm. just ruthless, efficient. They've been here time and time again. I would call this. I haven't really thought of the term yet, but title-winning management. You know, in the same way that we praise game management, mm-hmm. this is a whole season management. You know, they know what's expected of them now they know what they have to do yeah. and where like you say Arsenal might look a little bit shaky as we're going to come on to in the next couple of games City looked absolutely ruthless and then they could have gone if they'd lost they could have gone five points behind with a game in, you know, with Arsenal having a game in hand so the pressure was there mm-hmm. it just doesn't show and what I will say about City is you have to be such a clever player to understand the system that Pep sets out they are the most I want to say complicated slash technical in terms yeah. of their system it's so fluid Rico Lewis sometimes bunching in is like a centre mid he's, I know Zinchenko does it for us yeah but he's adopting that just... Cancelo Zinchenko role where he's a fullback, but not always depends on the phase mm. of play and I do think that's really interesting especially to ask that of a teenager like how intelligent he must be exactly to deal with that because I would I'd be all over the place if I had to deal with think about all those things while also trying to play like Premier League football for like yeah, the team no. in England and then also know that oh I'm a midfielder now because De Bruyne's got the ball whatever you know whatever the trigger that's is that's what I mean it's so intricate their kind of patterns and yeah you know it's a joy to watch this team the problem is, is like they've been at this level for so long that you almost just get bored right yeah. it's just too we're easy we're underappreciating them. them for sure yeah but it's just like sure. it's hard to appreciate something if it's always perfect it's like with anything you know if you have loads of nice cars you get another nice car you don't really care do you it's not really a big deal if you worked really hard for it it means a lot more that's the difference we almost need them to be a bit shit for a while and have like a shit mm-hmm. season so then when they come back we'll take notice again but yeah consi- I mean they've won it four out of the last five years yeah and I still think favourites to get five out of six sadly so yeah. well done City with your sad little lives <laughs> we are going to take a break and when we're back we'll cover the rest of the games Welcome back to From the Backseat Football Podcast. We are jumping into Leicester nil, Arsenal 1. Now, this was an important one. This was a really important game. I've had bad feelings about this game again. Just felt like Leicester traditionally have been a bogey team for Arsenal, and the pressure's really on. I'm feeling the pressure. Every game you have to win. 
It's, we haven't really. Obviously, do you feel shredded no. yet? Do you feel your nerves slowly <sighs> shredding and eroding every weekend? It feels like the season's been longer than twenty-five games. Yeah, you've you been I mean? eating for so long. That's the thing. Yeah, there are times you've just been slowly chipped away in recent weeks, and it's like now the pressure's really like cranking up as they get yeah. closer. It's not very nice actually, because yeah. you know one slip and all the football Twitter's on your back you know like when you're at the top people come for your head and we haven't been at the top for god knows one mistake so. like one fuck up and yeah the heat goes up and it's annoying isn't it like I hate to sound like a whiny Arsenal fan and it's a bit of a me 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 attitude but why does everyone want City to win people would rather City to win than watch Arsenal, Arsenal do you know do why it. it's because no one cares if City wins that's that's, no, but that's so stupid that's isn't it really? people like you would care if Man United win because they don't always win it's not inevitable and you know that that will hurt more for some reason it's kind of like I don't know if someone who's got all the advantages in the world just does better than you and you're like oh well, whatever you know oh, if someone you, you consider of, your peer yeah okay that's a really good achieves way achieves yeah, you I think then right. you feel like oh that hurts more because that could be me you feel like because City have had such an advantage over so many years you're mm-hmm. not competing in the same leagues so it, does, it just I don't know that's I think that's probably why City that's, winning doesn't mean that right. much because they were always going to win, basically. That makes... That that actually makes a lot of sense. It's just, yeah. I feel like... I feel like we're not going to do it. And I just hope that it doesn't bury us as a club, you know, because it's going to be a lot of banter when we finally flop. But have the faith. Keep performing like we do yesterday. We could grind this out. I stand by it. You know, it's yesterday just, was a... It's just a grinding them out now. It, it's mm. irrelevant. Like this was this was hard. This was like a tough victory, but you know you mix it up a bit. Trossard is like a false nine, kind of floaty number ten. Mm-hmm. I liked mm-hmm. it. I thought he was good. Best performance so far. Had his goal ruled out for, I would say not not much if I'm being honest. Um, but it's bullshit that one. Honestly, we're not going to get any favors on the way to winning this league. And no, you know, you've had them all now. Just, yeah, you had so many that now it's gone too far the other way. I think it's gone the other way so yeah. it was contentious though I don't know why that was ruled out to be honest it's absolutely nonsense like if that's a foul then how was it how, oh, gee, I don't even go into this that. is going back to when everything's a pen any contact pen no no it's, it's just ridiculous little... like, so like every time there's a corner there's going to be a foul if that was a foul do you know what I mean yeah. like, it means. well it's just if you, if you touch the goalie it's a foul basically yeah, but like, goalies are protected I could show you so many instances of like goalies getting absolutely wrestled to the ground and nothing given a goal going in but 100% it's because Danny Ward looks sad. He looks vulnerable. There is a thing with goalies, isn't there? If they kick up enough of a fuss, the referee's just going to give it. Yeah, you, know, if you like, just get you need a stroppy goalie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What you, you actually do need is like a Jens Lehmann, Peter Schmeichel. Anyone goes near them, they just go absolutely mental, and they just like mm, after a while, yeah. people are like, "I don't want this. I don't want this smoke." You mark him. I'm not marking him. Just like swinging, swinging yeah. hands. They just yeah, give bring it back, back Jens. Yeah, but you know, good goal. Let's go back to the goal. Leo Trossard breaks goal. to him. Lovely little Meg. And a good finish. And a naughty crunch on his ankle. <laughs> a naughty little step on um, Martinez's ankle from the defender as as oh, he scored yeah. that. Yeah, naughty yeah. that. Yeah, you must have been worried about that because that, I'll be mm. honest, I thought he was done. His reaction was like pretty clear that he was hurt. They always look bad fine. on slow mo. They always look bad on slow mo. It's just been a big so. baby. 
but you'll take that. Yeah, I'll take it. And, you know, one nil victory away, big game. We've got quite a favourable run of games coming up, so it's important that we took four points from Aston Villa and Leicester. 100%. So, Building on that comeback win with just any win, now yeah, it's like... Yeah, it had to be. You just, you can forget about everything, all the, you know, drop points. It's irrelevant. Exactly. Because this, this could be four without a win now. Very, very easily, you know. Couple easily. Yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it makes that Aston Villa win even bigger in hindsight, so... Definitely. Yeah, really proud of, proud of the boys. But it was, you know, other than that goal and disallowed goal, it wasn't a lot going on. No. And I take that. I take that. Because these are the games that we would have drawn or lost last season and the season before. Definitely. And it must so. be nice because, you know, your backup transfer target, Trossard, very, very cheap in comparison. And he's had more of an impact than Mudrick so far since the two have joined their new clubs. How do you feel about this transfer? Like, would you trade him for this season? <sighs> So, or are you happy with the way it's panned out now? I think we can include Jorginho in that conversation because he's been pretty good, actually. 21% of his balls were forward yesterday. He made the most passes in the game. I love that, I love that you're so. making a point of just saying that he does normal <laughs> things. <laughs> the bar is yeah, so, but so long. We've Jorginho. heard he's just, a, he's just the crab of a midfielder, you know? He just passes it sideways. Basically. I just love it that that's where it is. He actually made four <laughs> interceptions. <laughs> <laughs> well, the biggest compliment you can pay Jorginho is Partey was actually fit and where before we might have rushed him back in and got him injured for six months. We actually were like, no, Jorginho, you should carry on. Facts. It takes that pressure off it, so that rotation is good. Back to your question, it's such a hard one because we've, we've purchased proven Premier League players that are ready and that's the difference between us and Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Arguably, well, not arguably, Mudrick ceiling... It's going to be higher, higher, I reckon, still. But it's going to take him time. And I think Chelsea's environment right now is a really bad one for new players coming in. You know, new country, learn language, try and do well at football. It's a lot going against you. So it might pay off this season. And this is the only season that matters because you can't think that far ahead. So basically, I, I don't know. I think I still prefer Madrid, to be honest. I really was... My heart's <laughs> with Madrid, mate. My heart was go. with Madrid, and I'm still upset, bro. We'll give it a couple more weeks and we'll try again. <sighs> but Trossard, mate, love you too, bro. Love you too. Reminds me a bit of Santi with both feet. Not as good, obviously, but the way he kind of just kind of waddles around with both feet. I like him. Quite like it. I He's a good player. Like... He's a tricksy little player. He could he could have played for bigger clubs. He could have been Champions League a lot sooner. But hopefully he can get it next year. I really like him as a player. I think he's really great. I think he's a great rotation option. And I think yeah. Martinelli needed a break. But so. you need that in your squad, you know. Mm. Just like someone who can come in, make an impact across the front three, not kick up a fuss if they don't play every week. But when they do, they maximise it. He's perfect for that. No, I agree. I agree. So, yeah, happy. You know, just just a standard win. You can you don't have to look back. It wasn't dramatic. And I think we needed that after the last couple, well, last month that we've had, really. So Yeah. And Leicester, bit rubbish again, I have to say. Like, they weren't quite at it. I guess there's no shame in being beaten by Arsenal, but... I am worried about them. They're not convincing me that they're going to get out of this relegation battle. There, it's a long way. As I say, it's a long. And they've be got a long end of the, the best squad in that battle by far. You know, there's no better player than James Madison in any of those teams. Off the top of my head, like of the mm. seven or eight teams in that mix, he's the best one by far. And you can make a case for them mm. having definitely the best team, first eleven. Yeah, they're just. It's a weird one. I feel like Leicester's identity was always, you know, Jamie Vardy, direct, counter-football. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they've kind of veered away from that. 
So, yeah, I don't know. It's a Leicester team in transition, but, you know, I think we have to give credit. Remember where they were going into the World Cup? They were rock bottom for a long period. So True. I think True. they'll be all right. The, the quality will see them through, like you said. They have got a good squad in comparison. Yeah, it will get them through. But, yeah, they shouldn't really be down there, to be honest. Um, anyway, more relegation teams. Everton nil, Aston Villa 2. Deitch. The Deitch effect is over. Oof. His first Oof. loss. But his first loss... In four games or three games, four games. Yeah, That's what's his results been like so far? He beat Leeds, beat us, and then he drew, drew, and then lost to Liverpool. Okay, so maybe two losses and two wins so far for him. Two losses, two wins, yeah. Six points yeah. for four games. I think that's pretty decent, considering how terrible you they were. You take that, yeah. You take that. You take that. Where is it leaving in the table? They're currently okay, 18th, but a point off Leeds. Yeah. Two points. It's just a couple of wins, man. He's just got to string a couple Literally. wins at the bottom, and suddenly you have four teams. And like watching this game, I have to say, Everton were probably the better team for, for like most of it. They created more chances. They had much better energy. Their build-up play is good, but they haven't. They have no goals. Like zero, zero goals. Without DCL, DCL's rubbish right now. I don't know what's up with him. Without him, there's zero goals in this team. You've got four goals a year from Damari Gray that are all like absolute screamers, and that's basically it. Neil Mopey mm-hmm. doesn't score goals. Like, of the midfielders, do any of them score goals? No. Like, do no, I Neil's stats at Burnley were like one goal season? So there's there's no, no yeah. goals. There's zero goals. Connor Cody is your best bet of a goal, literally, or Tarkovsky from a corner. That feels like the only weapon. So why I find it weird that they sold Anthony Gordon. I know they didn't really have a choice because he basically went on strike, but they didn't replace him. They look, no. they're lacking up front. They're really lacking up front. They really needed to sign a striker on loan. Really did. I'm so surprised they didn't go for anyone in the end. Literally anyone. They could have even taken like Emmanuel Dennis from Forest. If I don't know, you know anyone. Anyone, anyone anyone that can score goals like Danny Ings maybe he was Danny Ings would have been really. great for them he would have been absolutely yeah. amazing he would have been their best player I'm still worried about Everton because like I'm you say because they got Sean Dyche and Sean Dyche is the business yeah I mean this is a bit of a mind you yeah they did play well though. they had their chances you know you feel if they put their chances away yeah they look a lot better like mm. they're competing again as opposed to just letting it happen just being a victim and slowly getting yeah. relegated they're fighting which is good it's a good sign yeah. Um, but yeah this this could have easily been 2 0 Everton if they had Ollie Watkins but they don't and so they lost and Ollie Watkins was pretty good he's the first Aston Villa player ever to score five goals in five games wow it's five games that's some good form that to be fair isn't it it's a new record that's not bad so that's really good this little patch of form is the greatest bit of form that any Aston Villa striker has ever had or Aston Villa player in the Prem so pretty cool turnaround for him and he should be targeting Euro 2024 squad to be the unused Kane backup I mean he was in the England spot. squad he was in the England squad so Kane's chair I'm like sure Southgate him. would prefer him than Tony <laughs> just because <you laughs> Tony's know. not going to be playing football this time next year bro that, that case is still oh, moving. Yeah, that's yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that at the time. Yeah, yeah, great, great, great to see Ollie Watkins back in fire form. Yeah, uh, Unai Emery's done wonders with him specifically since he's come in. Yeah, him, like Buendia. So they they brought it on match of the day, and it's very interesting because they have Buendia and McGinn like playing very very narrow, so kind of creating an overload through the middle, 
And we know that Unai does like these sort of rogue four four two where there's just four centre midfielders strung across the middle. There's like two backs of four, but then they kind of all come in together and flood the centre. And yeah, John McGinn was kind of key in this game. Like coming off the right, cutting in, he won the penalty, um, created the second goal and set up Wendia. And you think like, Unai, he's interesting because he does tactics differently. Like who the hell sets up with a narrow four four two? Like it's Shaw Dyche. But it's Unai as well, and he does that. But he makes it work, like depending on the transition. You know, like how Pep has different. He's a good manager, and Arteta has different phases. Unai's got different phases as well. But it starts at a four, and then I don't know what it becomes like a four-two-four. It's just it's kind of chaotic. The Premier League has never had this many masterminds within all the clubs. We have so many good managers here. We're spoiled, and maybe I've just got my Prem tinted goggles on. But I'd argue we've got the most top-level managers in our league. 100%. PSG have Gaultier. Like, until last season, no one really heard of him. Yeah, so, but maybe they had in France. I don't want to sit yeah, here... Like Barcelona's we, got Xavi. He's doing an amazing job, but he's not... He wasn't a big-name yeah, manager. You know, no. There's a lot of... There's a lot of, yeah, big clubs with new talent, and we've just got, like, everyone else, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. The fact that Emery... Someone like Emery is at Aston Villa not too long ago he was at PSG for goodness sake so yeah mate it's nice to see a strong Aston Villa I have to say I've never disliked them per se like I have other Claret Blue clubs so yeah good for them I like that 2-0 I think it's a worry for Everton but like I said I'm not going to make any kind of calls on the relegation race anymore he'll make you look foolish don't do it he will exactly so anyway Fulham won Wolverhampton Wanderers won and this was a fair result it was very, a fair very result. Fair. Very, very, yeah. very fair. Football started very, brightly. Very samey feel, doesn't it? Two teams that should just be about 10th in the league, realistically. So Yeah. Sounds about right. Not a lot on the line for them, really. Maybe more on the line for Wolves, but I think Wolves would have been happy with a 1-1 before kick-off if you'd asked them what they would Definitely. take from it. So, yeah, yeah, 100%. Going away to Fulham. Fulham are like, Fulham are on fire right now. And they took the lead. Like, Wolves scored a goal. They'll be happy with that. Pretty good. <laughs> like... Yeah, it's just I mean I don't know I don't know. listener I don't know what you asked to say it was pretty good. Let's talk about that guy good. Solomon. Three goals and three He's games. back. Keep saying him pop up. Never life so good as well. He's scored like three very different goals in three games now. He's he he might he might have the armor on juice now. He might be that guy who we don't know what's happening, but he's just banging goals. And it will just stop in like another three games. Mm, and we'll never I mean. talk about it again. But No, but Fulham fans will, will remember that yeah. little streak that Israeli fellow had. He was yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. And he, he just is. came on a short-term loan, won them like eight points on his own, and then just left and got them in Europa yeah. League. Although, if he carries on this form, can't help but feel Fulham will be trying to make that permanent. I would think so, but... I don't. I, I just don't know anything about him other than he's Israeli and he's twenty three, and he scores goals. You know how it goes with these loan signings. How many loans that are converted into permanent <laughs> signings go wrong? So many. Yeah, just enjoy it true. and then just get another one on loan. Just forget about it. Mm, mm, uh, pff, it's a hard you know one, I mean? isn't it? Who had yeah. the hottest streak of all time on loan? It was bloody... What's his name? Joe Willock at Newcastle. He scored like seven games in a row. Oh, yeah. That was such a good streak for him. Yeah. He's probably he's probably scored like three goals since then. Like a season and a half. I wonder what it is about people that go online. Like maybe... 
I think they've got a point to prove. Yeah, because we talk about Aloni that's coming up in one of the games, Sambi Lakonga. Like, he actually playing like a really good player and he just didn't see that at Arsenal. And, you know, he left Arsenal mid-season where we already had an injury to our midfielder so naturally you'd expect him to step up. It hasn't happened. He's gone on loan. Probably a little bit dejected from that. And now he's, you know, turning it on. So maybe there's something to be said that actually loan signings are better off as loan signings because you don't know the ins and outs of... I think so. I think that's exactly it. I think if you... If you feel like everything's out of sync like imagine if you get put on loan and you're not expecting it and suddenly you're like oh shit maybe I don't have a future anywhere then you really knock yeah. it but then maybe once you get a permanent move like you're, you just lose that edge you know you go from like 100% to like 95% because you're like oh I've got four years now it's okay like I'll be okay mm. as opposed to like I've got four months and then I don't know what's going to happen I think just like the jeopardy and the uncertainty makes them play like to the absolute limit Apparently, and I've read this before, like there is there is some truth in that where you know players that have got six months left in their contract and it's expiring in the summer, they will have a, like a really good patch of form. Like mm-hmm. the perfect the example, remember Theo Walcott? Every time it came to contract renewal, oh, he was like Thierry Henry. He was so good, <laughs> so good getting that two hundred k contract. As soon as he signed it, just dog shit, just dog shit. <laughs> so yeah, maybe there's some truth in that. And that would make sense because that's the only incentive, isn't it? The next pay packet. Exactly. So, we all like it. We're all guilty of it, you know, in yeah. life. If you're working for a promotion or something, like, you always yeah, work it hard, work don't hard. you? And then when you get it, the inevitable dip. The drop-off. Yeah. It's, it's a real Well, there one. you go. Just always sign the loads. Solomon, it's been a pleasure watching you, but we won't <laughs> see you next season, unfortunately. Yeah, full of fans, you shouldn't wish for it either, as nice as it seems right now. There you go. Exactly. We've sold uh, World Hunger. Sold anyway. Many issues. Leeds 1, Southampton nil. Javi Gracias. First game. He's back. As a new Leeds manager. Did anyone see this coming? I didn't see this coming. I don't even know how I feel about it, to be honest. You didn't then see this I coming. Thought... Of course you saw this coming. Oh, you mean his, his appointment? Yeah, his appointment in general. Uh, I thought you meant the result. Oh, that. Yeah, that. If I'm honest, even that's a surprise that Leeds actually won because they played really <laughs> well, which usually is a bad sign for them. True. Play well, true. don't get the results. Yeah, yeah play like, well, get some Such a rogue appointment. But then I'm thinking about it and his time at Watford, he was actually pretty good. Hmm. The and first season really was pretty start. good. Yeah. And then, he, and then that was the end. But like, Watford are like that, though. You can't really judge can a manager. Exactly. No, not at Watford. No. They've had so like, maybe, how many? So many. Maybe it's a really good, maybe it's a really good move. Like, he, he has navigated a similar team in a similar situation. And okay, it went wrong in the end. But for this season, maybe he's, maybe he's exactly the right man. I mean, up. for six months, he's got Premier League know-how, like you said, and not even Premier League know-how, but relegation know-how in this league. If you can't get the man that you want, there's definitely worse people you could appoint, you know, like a certain Nathan Jones, who has no experience. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I agree. It's not that... It's just not exciting, is it? You know, you don't wake up and like, oh, Javi Grassi has just signed as our manager. Is it? No, but... Not going to fill you with... But it's practical, isn't it? It's pragmatic, and maybe Leeds need a bit more prag, practical kind of shit going on at their club. You know, they've yeah. been a bit crazy since Bielsa left, and they just need to get back to just. I think we spoke about it last week. They just need to get their identity back or understand mm-hmm. what they want to do. And 100%. it wasn't clear under Jesse Marsh. So, yeah, who knows? Do you think they'll be all right? 
I'm also it's worried about Leeds, to be honest. I, yeah, I, I just think, don't know. I think they might go, but I I feel like maybe he's a good appointment as a manager, Javi Garcia. Maybe he's the kind of boring, steady hand that actually they needed. Because mm. I don't know what the Jesse Marsh thing was like. I don't know if he's good at managing football. I really have no idea still. And I think that's probably a no, if you really don't know after like a year. I think that's probably I feel, a bad Yeah, I feel like the Jesse Marsh appointment was more of like an idea, more than like a well thought out decision. I think he, he says a lot of words, but actually yeah. he maybe doesn't really know what he's about or he thinks he knows. I don't know. Maybe I'm being harsh. Mm. I feel like Javi Gracia is well, just like solid in comparison. Like imagine him as a manager. Just come in, just clarity. None of this like over positivity and all this like pretend like rage oh like, it's going right, to be a contrast some tactics like here's what we're going to do and here's why and I was like cool alright yeah. cool. it'll probably work for six months but it probably is just not expansive enough to where what Leeds wanted to be so yeah you know what marriage of convenience for six months let's see if he keeps him up and then we'll come back and see if he deserves a full time contract but and if not, you know I think Southampton he could always take over Southampton next season he could and I thought Southampton were alright to be honest they were alright this game they were solid they're not the the best team, and they weren't great. You know, though, were they? They weren't, they weren't great. fab, but come on, under Nathan what Jones, mean? they were just they were sinking. There was a little bit of solidity with them. What do you think of Ben about appointing Ruben Sellers, the assistant manager, as the caretaker till the end of the season? I mean, this why is the fuck like, not in it. Why the fuck not? Both teams have <laughs> done the same thing. They just appointed two yeah. people. Why the fuck not? Well, Ruben Sellers was Ralph Hasenhutl's number two, so he was just at the club anyway. This is what's so weird, though. Was he brought in in the summer as part of the overhaul of all the coaches, but not Ralph? Yeah, yeah. So he was brought in in the summer, so he's already not part uh-huh. of the plan. They're trying to fix the plan, and they brought in all new coaches. So then they get rid of Hasenhutl, but they keep him. So then they keep the coaches. So first they get rid of all the coaches, then they get rid of the manager, but keep the coaches. Then they hire Nathan Jones and Sellers is still there. So Nathan Jones doesn't get to pick mm-hmm. his own assistant manager. Weird. Then they get rid of Nathan Jones mm. and Sellers is still there again. He survives two managers being sacked. He's got no loyalty, this guy, mate. He's got no loyalty. He's loyal to Southampton, mate. He, he loyal is a to savage. He's, he's been waiting to get this job since he joined. He's just been biding his time. He's been biding his time. Exactly. He's been biding his time. And, you know, fair that. play. Long term, it's kind of a free hit, isn't it? Like, it's a free hit if you're, if you're Ruben because you're like, Well, if we go down as expected, if we stay up, it's it's a miracle, and I'm a miracle worker, and this is my springboard into management. So, oh, again, it just suits everyone, doesn't it? Really, it's a win win for him, but it's horrendous planning from Southampton. Since the new ownership's come in, it's really a real if Southampton go down, it'll be due to the fact that the owners, own, owners' incompetence and negligence in terms of the club haven't invested properly they took a risk getting all these youth players in last summer and it's not paying off so far despite the potential mm-hmm. on that squad it's just it's too top heavy to youngsters so they will have a never win anything with kids sell, I feel like they could bounce back they will easily. they will they will but I'm sure that wasn't the main objective when they signed them but hey ho let's see we're not making any predictions on the bottom seven because it's too hard and so we reach our final game a game that Jack has told me he was really looking forward to doing um, <laughs> Crystal Palace 0 Liverpool 0 yeah, <laughs> the worst I game I thought I'd save it till last thought, yeah, it's absolutely the worst cracker. game of the weekend and I watched this live for, yeah, it was a waste of my time 
I don't know if there's much to say about this, but we can talk about the malaise currently going on at Liverpool, can't we, Jack? Look, we're we're being shielded from being a a proper crisis club because of Chelsea. So I'm grateful for that Chelsea from just being a slightly bigger crisis club than us. But I mean, nil nil away at Palace honestly sounds about right. To be honest, sounds about right for where we're at. Not a bad point away from home. It's you not know, a bad point. Couple of shaky no. moments. Both teams hit the post or the crossbar. Both teams hit the crossbar. Like, it wasn't 5-2. You know, we didn't get slapped. So, that's something. Even though we did beat Crystal Palace 7-0 last season, that's that shows where we're at right now. Like... You we didn't were, lose. We didn't lose. We kept a clean sheet. Mostly because Crystal Palace are awful at scoring goals. If they, they had are. any striker, they would be a proper team. But thankfully, they've just not Tata, up it, is he? And he's, he's not very good at scoring goals. So, that's he's going, nice. Yeah, he's going through that patch. Where is Wilf Zaha? Is he injured? Where he is that man? Be. He must be. Yeah. They look light yeah, about him. Proper toothless. So, that's nice. But, yeah, like, our, our defence is just so, like, chaotic and nervous all the time. Like, they all need, they all need to stop playing for a bit. But I don't know how you manage that kind of thing. They're just all rubbish at the moment. It's just not Apart good enough, Robertson, though, is it? Robertson's good. I rate Robertson. Trent, he needs competition. That's so obvious. His head's not in the game. VVD, a bit worried about VVD. Joel Matip's mm. obviously going to get sold. Like, that's fine. Joe Gomez yeah. is there because he's a club homegrown player. And I respect that. That's squad building, baby. He should not be starting. He no. should not be starting in the games. As for Navigator, oh. Navigator, what's the point of Navigator anymore? Just don't play him anymore. Don't play Navigator any more games. No more games now. He, what, did, what did he do in this game? He gave away a foul. He, was rubbish, he got a yellow card, yeah. and then he got subbed at half time. He's the biggest he disappointment rubbish. of all of the great transfers we've done. Navigator is the one that really stings because we spent fifty mil, just, and then we waited yeah. twelve months to get him, and he's done nothing. He's done less than Solomon at Fulham. Navi Case has had just, less of an impact in four years than Solomon's had in three games. I don't time. really want to single him out. I know he had a shocker against Palace, but is he any worse well, than Hendo at the moment? Is he any worse no, than Trent? It's, it's is he any more work. deserving? It's the body of work. He's not ever been anything other than just not good. Like, so you're saying he's got less credit in the bank than, say, Fabinho? Yeah, like or, Hendo, or Hendo. Hendo is playing rubbish, but Hendo is also like 33 and he's there to be a shouty man as much as he is to be a good player, you know? He shouldn't be playing every game. That's that's on everyone else that he's having to play this many games. Fabinho, I don't want to fuck. I'm pretty sure Fabinho's twin has replaced him this season because I don't know who this guy is anymore. I don't recognise him. So yeah, Fabinho... Yeah, he's dropped off massively. Come on, my man. What are you... What's up with him? What's up? I don't know. He's proper dropped off massively recently. Yeah. But then, like, I almost feel like... There's a lot of problems. Sorry. Yeah. There there's are... A lot of problems. Yeah, you don't know where to start about it. No. Like Mo Salah has got 19 goals this season somehow, but I don't feel like that's true. Do you know what I mean? He just this is he's been stat padding though, isn't he? He's been stat padding. He, this he can look very like he looks really clumsy a lot of the time, but then he'll occasionally it will all click and he'll look unplayable. But he's just like he's in that clumsy phase right now but he can suddenly click at any point he signed the contract and this is what happened yeah and now he's dropped 95% and he's not quite as motivated 
Think of Ozil. Think of Aubameyang. I've been We've here. Done it. And I, We've I, done I, it. I know the drop off. The drop off is there, and like, it's true. If you triple treble your wages to three hundred k a week, are you really going to have the same? I don't know. All last season, and even the season before, the contract talk was there, and I feel like he's the kind of player that likes the attention, likes to feel wanted, you know, and like this whole backdrop of the contract, the powers in his hands because he's playing so well. Now the power's out of his hands, isn't it? He's kind of got nothing to play for. And I feel like Salah's... He's got that body language. gets really pissed off when the rest of the team are doing really badly. He's not... He's not a motivator. Probably a demotivator at times, to be fair. Throwing your hands up and shit, so... Yeah, I mean, the whole team's dropped off. You can't, Salah's been your best player, believe it or not, so... Well, you can't really slander 100%. him, but... No, no. I mean, he's, he's, he's the lowest priority problem, I'd say. Still. But, yeah, we're just in this weird position where, like... We don't really have any players that are particularly valuable. They're either 30 or they're really young or they're out of contract. We just have this weird mm. void of like the right profile of player all of a sudden. You which need is slightly out. concerning because we've got like a major clear out. three midfielders all over 30, I think. Yeah, in the summer, their contracts are up. And you've just got like Joel Matip, VVD, Fabinho, they're all over 30, Thiago. Hendo, none of them are like sellable assets realistically in the mm. current market. Like, no one's going to come in with like a 50, 60 mil bid for any of them. They're looking like 30 mil max, probably, which is not really worth it. To be so, honest, though, it's, 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 it's a bit it's, of a sticky one. Yeah, it's not really a seller's market at the moment. Nah. I just don't think English clubs, we're going to have this problem where we've got all these big contract players. That's going to be really hard to shift. Really hard to shift. 100%. Like, realistically, our best asset is probably Salah. And the only place I could see him going would be PSG if they haven't been clear mm. out, you know, just because I feel like yeah. the owners would be open to someone like Salah for as much the footballing reasons as the commercial reasons and the just the fact that it just makes sense. He's the biggest Arabic superstar of all time, so it just it's appealing, yeah. you know. But again, that's one club, isn't it? And that's only it's if they're interested, only if Mo's interested. This is the problem, and oh, it's hard because I Klopp needs to be given time for sure, but. I don't think he. I don't think he knows how to stop this this slide. I don't know how he, to. He, he needs new ears. He needs new like new people. I think they're all just burnt out now. The message is not landing. He needs like he just needs younger legs, really, doesn't he? Because I feel like with young players, yeah. they're willing to just run and run and run, and they don't really question you. And I feel like maybe the squad is a bit too senior for his style. Oh, it's just so many things like VVD post ACL questions. You feel like he's playing within himself because of that injury. Mm. Fair enough. Fair enough. But like, how do you address that? Matip's, everyone's dropped off though. Everyone. Everyone's dropped off and it's just so hard to figure out why. Because it's the same squad, right? It's just hard to say what exactly is the, is the, catalyst for that drop off don't know do you know what we need we need someone like Casemiro bro to come in and just like just light we everyone do. up a bit mm. someone like that you know who's just going to come in and just say it how it is I agree and you know what my cat is on my lap and that must mean we are at the end of today's episode <laughs> <laughs> here she is oh yeah there she is <laughs> alright <laughs> Uh, oh, there you go. No, okay, you can't be doing that, Bubba. Off you go. All right. Well, we're, we will actually be back this midweek for a very short and sweet midweeker. Um, we'll try and get it under half now because we've never done that before, and we like to push ourselves to the limit. 
Mm-hmm. Marks you. Otherwise, we'll let everyone go. Yeah. No. Thanks for listening. Slightly longer today. You know how it is. We will see you in the midweek. Oh, follow our socials. Yeah, do that, guys. Follow all that shit, please. Okay. Cool. Thanks. Nice. Right. <laughs> Outro music. Go. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.